Welcome to episode 73 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up? And straight from the cut of usually sitting behind this sign behind us, Mr. Chris Killian is back Hi, on the show. Number 73. Number 73, yeah. Wow. Such a big number. You yeah, it is. Uh, about nine months, we've birthed an official baby here, um, <laughs> which is a good time to plug that, uh, yeah, in that time, our baby has had over one million downloads, and uh, wow. we want to thank you guys for uh, riding with us on this Comic Book Nation journey, as strange as it sometimes may be, or as uh, as you heard in our last episode, as volatile <laughs> as yeah, it I, sometimes I, be. I heard you guys got into a big old fight last last episode. How'd that go? Um, I think reason prevailed in the end over some of the madness that was leaked out on this podcast. It was like fighting a breach of madness that yeah. was coming out. I feel like this is going to be a much friendlier episode with me and Matt. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Gemini man could literally split people. You think so? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's not yeah. Gonna, oh, gonna, spoiler alert! It's not going to split us. Spoiler alert! <laughs> so, as you just heard, we are going to be doing a, a review of uh, Will Smith and Ang Lee's new movie, Gemini Man. But uh, in addition to that, we are going to be talking about the pre. We're going to be previewing Marvel's new X Men reboot, but not the one in theaters that you might be hoping for. The one on the comic book page that is coming. House of X is now over. Powers of X is now over. Powers of Ten. That's the last time I'm doing this. Powers of Ten is <laughs> you now over. You don't have over. to do it anymore. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just so happy about that. <laughs> Dawn it's now of Ten. Over. And, uh, yeah, Dawn of Ten. <laughs> Dawn of X. The uh, Marvel relaunch of the X-Men world is coming. So we are going to be talking about that as we've been following this the whole way. And we're also going to get a little bit, uh, we're just going to get a little bit opinionated. And we're going to talk about some of these recent comments about Marvel movies that have been kind of flying around Hollywood. But first things first, let's start with a happier topic, which is the trailer for Onward, Pixar's new movie that stars two big Marvel people, Chris Pratt, Tom Holland. We got a new trailer like seconds before we walked in here. <laughs> and um, I mean, funny enough, this I didn't see the first teaser, so this was my entire oh, gotcha. kind of introduction to what this concept is. I've kind of fallen, I've, I mean, I made it no secret on here that I've fallen off of Pixar in the last... Yeah few years there's been a lot of sequels and stuff that like i'm not as interested i think uh what was it inside out or what is it what was that inside out yeah yeah, yeah that was about the last, the last one you one. saw that's like the last one i saw or you really didn't see connected. toy story 4 yet no. no i don't i don't like toy he's story he's not like kofi doesn't kofi no. doesn't oh, he's I, all, I take it back maybe we will fight today he yeah. doesn't like uh any movies that's had sequels and stuff to it so he doesn't like yeah. incredibles no, so, I mean, Incredible wait, Sequel's okay. You like, don't like I, any movies with sequels? What no, are you no, no, doing no, no, here? No, just Pixar. Like, oh, I, just I, Pixar. I, yeah, I liked Pixar's okay. like phase of like really original when they were just pushing really original tales each year. So I'm, uh, that's all to say I'm excited for Onward. I saw the trailer for Onward, and I'm really excited for Onward. It's a great concept. <laughs> I like this modern fantasy world, and I like this weird weekend at Bernie's thing. Like, I yeah. didn't expect that. I, I had no idea that was thrown in here. So I like, I'm loving this whole Yeah, like, this trailer gave us a much better look at what we can expect from the yeah. Movie. I think anybody with daddy issues are really gonna love this movie. Yeah. That's that's yeah. how it came across to me. I just think the uh, so like I'm half looking forward of the to the twist. industry. Basically, <laughs> yeah. everyone. I, I feel like there's a. I mean, I'm looking forward to the twist. I guess of mm -hmm. like that the dad like it's not really the dad that something happens where it's like somebody else that they thought and like there's got to be something else there to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I it looked great. I mean, Chris Pratt was like born to voice characters. Like I don't just, think you could ask for a better, more likable tag team than yes. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Yeah, 
it just comes. I mean, those two, since they've had fun, like you could tell they have like good real life chemistry and yeah. like they're just kind of balancing off one another really well in this trailer. And I like the whole, like, this is what I love about Pixar. I like this whole concept of this, you know, a fantasy world that has modernized and kind of moved mm-hmm. on. And, you know, what that all looks like on like a micro level as we get to travel mm-hmm. and do this kind of journey movie is going to be, I mean, just that whole world building is going to be so yeah. much fun. And like I said, it's just kind of weird in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's kind of like what I wanted uh, Matt Groening's like dis, uh, Disenchanted, oh, Disenchanted to be more yeah. like. Yeah. This is what I feel like I, I would have liked more from that show, which isn't a bad show, but like. No. Um, this is like just kind of spot on for like taking fantasy and, and remixing it into something like really funny and reflective of like modern times and stuff like or that. Or if like Bright had been any good. Yeah. I'm really on Will Smith today. I'm sorry. Man. It's, did you like Bright? That was unintentional. Yeah, wait, I thought you said something else. I thought you said Smith Bride. Bride. I, I thought, thought you said you Bride, it? and I was like thinking no. in my head. I was like trying to cycle through my head, like what movie called Bride? That was uh, my you automatic. Went with it. You, I appreciate you going with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it was my automatic show answer. But like, no, Bright. Don't you badmouth Bright on this show? Don't you badmouth <laughs> Bright that on this show? We didn't even have to get to the second yeah. We half have grenades. Show. Yeah, grenades <laughs> Good everywhere. Lord. Yeah, Bright. There will be no besmirching Bright on this show. I still haven't seen Bright, so I also liked Bright. Yeah, thank you. I thought it was, I thought Again, it was. We're, at, we're at the breach just fighting Why against this madness. No, I'm just kidding. I know, no, but <laughs> yo, I've been, yo, if anybody messes with my bright two, I swear, I mean, we're going to have problems because I want that bright two. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so Onward is looking Woo. good. I'm excited. Uh, Matt, I, I mean, I throw always throw to you for yeah, you, I mean, the Disney guy here. We were watching it together, right? And I, yeah. I, it's hard not to smile through that. I, I do love the premise I didn't see coming as far as like the dad and like bringing him back. We knew it was going to be a road trip movie. We didn't know why. So it's nice to have that context. Yeah. I just love, like you said, I, I love when Pixar is allowed to just have fun and build a world that's unique and getting to see all these fantasy creatures like the little dragon as the pet yeah. and like the, the spray bottle and, and like seeing the gnomes and mowing lawns and stuff like all that stuff is just really fun and I feel like also if you're like a, a old school fantasy nerd or a tabletop nerd you're gonna find so much yeah. so many fun little easter eggs throughout this entire movie because uh, I feel like there's just a ton in a two minute teaser anyway mm. so it's uh, yeah I can't wait it's gonna be I just feel like it's it's uh, the that sense of adventure, like mm-hmm. all the other like movies have that sense of adventure, but this one feels like an adventure movie, yeah, uh, in a way. And that, what I think, is probably what it's it felt about Brave. Was. I really like the second, especially yep. the second half of yeah. Brave. I liked that. Brave, I think Brave's underrated. I really yeah. like mm-hmm. Brave too. So, um, yeah. and plus the gags we get from the fact that they're hanging out with a pair of legs. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's great. Right. Fun. That's yeah, the whole thing you you like look the guy like you look at me shades like the mini like demon guy like just everything about that is what I'm saying. I love when Pixar can get a little weird with it and this looks great. All right, moving on. Let's talk about what's going on in uh, Hollyweird and uh, Marvel movies. Every it feels like so every so often. I mean, I mean it is like the great prophet Biggie Smalls once told us like more money, more problems. Like, yeah, Marvel has had a great year for money, and now they got more problems. <laughs> Um, Martin Scorsese came out and, and had a statement about Marvel movies in particular. I'm not gonna, I got a little heat because I kind of like had to throw a okay grandpa at Martin Scorsese. I was just going to say old man yelling from tree, but I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> He's like, here's what he said about Marvel movies. I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well-made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. And, look, okay, so that was a starting point, naturally, you know, in today's, you know, culture, like, it's, boom, that was a grenade Scorsese dumped on everybody. 
Um, so I got a little heat last episode, but let me just be clear, like, you know, as a, like, and I'm not saying this to be pretentious, but, like, as somebody who actually went through the process of studying film, like, you know, he was a big focus, a big yeah. idol. I've watched, I mean, all, like, virtually, like, all of his movies. I think he is, I mean, he really is talking from the position of being one of the best cinematic storytellers mm. of all time um, from a technical level to just, you know, the beyond technical level to just tell a good story, yeah. an entertaining story, and put it together on film. Um, so, like, I mean, he's talking from a masterful position, right. but, like... A self-important one, yeah. but, yes, yes, a masterful position. But, like, yes, exactly, and that's the turn. But it's, like, a little self-important just because this isn't your cup of tea. Cinema's a wide tent. But, and to, like, also, I, I don't think it's fair, though, that he's getting so much slack for it because it's not like he held a press conference to be like, this is how <laughs> I feel about Marvel movies. Yeah. Somebody asked him a question, and he gave his opinion. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that we're just kind of... Like now, just bombarding him with our like, oh my gosh, how can you say that, Martin Scorsese? It's like, who expected the director of Goodfellas to like Marvel movies? Like, why is that a surprise? He doesn't or, have to like them, but if I get, because I get it, it's not like he went and did an expose and was like, here's how I feel. If you don't However, have something nice to say, asked, don't say Martin it. Martin Scorsese presents Marvel movies, and he answered it. So if you're gonna answer it, be prepared for whatever answer you give to get. Crapped on if it's not great. But, it, but <laughs> like at the same time. I just don't, the thing about it is I just kind of rolled my eyes at the duplicitness of just like I, I was like if he had just said, yo, straight up Martin Scorsese, <laughs> I'm Martin Scorsese, like I make like a different kind of thing I consider cinema and I don't consider this in the tent. Okay. But like when he started going, you know, oh, but as well made as they are, and the actors doing as best they yeah, can. Yeah, that part under was like very condescending. Like, yeah, that yeah. that point I'm just like Give me a break. Dude. Give me a break. I've like, seen some yeah. of your movies that, you know, that don't hold up to that lofty bar. Yeah. yeah, but even still, I, I still feel like we're getting very, like, just, I don't know why everybody's getting so offended and up in arms about it. Just because Martin Scorsese doesn't like Marvel movies or had that opinion, it, it doesn't change the fact that uh, uh, we still get to watch Marvel movies and he doesn't have to watch oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just don't think I mean, I think, I think ultimately I think, that's why I'm also bringing it up is, like, that was, and that was my initial thing was, like, in the last episode, I didn't even like skip a beat. I was just like, "Okay, Grandpa, like that's your opinion." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and but, just make like I said in the last episode, you're entitled to your opinion. And I'm not saying us. Prob- you're not entitled to think is, it matters that much. Is like, that yeah. people like there? There are a lot of people in that industry, actors and directors or whatever, who look up to someone like Martin Scorsese. And it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, if you idolized him and considered him your hero and find yourself working on superhero stuff, you just you automatically feel a sense of belittlement and whether or not yeah. it's justified or whatever i don't want paul rudd crying in the shower now because he feels like he's blown his career like right. yeah. but but it's but at the same time you, you, like they those people also have to just realize that like it's just this dude's opinion and like yeah that aren't because is going to keep making the movies that he wants to make the way he wants to make them and they're not going to stop making marvel movies so right. they'll they'll exist yeah the world moves on yeah. i think spinning. it's a difference between being offended i mean if you're truly offended by this and you went on Twitter and railed and and just were like started a petition and stuff. Then yes, I obviously feel like you're taking that opinion too close to heart. <laughs> well, and but I get to comment if you opened your mouth and said it. If you didn't want to hear any feedback on it, then go write it in a journal. If you said it out loud, <laughs> then I get to respond. Sorry. Yeah. Like it's the same people that are on Facebook and Twitter and go, well, how dare you comment on my timeline? Or how dare you comment yeah. on my post? I'm like, you what did you that? think you wrote it on? You yeah. wrote it in a public forum. Suck yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> so like, tough. Yeah. And I also think, just for the record, like, I, I kind of disagree with him. I think. Yeah. Oh, I anything, definitely disagree with it. I think 
Oh, and I think it's insulting. He's also insulting. He made it sound as if these movies are made through an assembly line of people. Yes. Like, as if he's not just taking a giant dump on a whole bunch of other filmmakers right. at, at the same time. I mean, early Marvel, you're talking about he's crapping on Kenneth, like, Kenneth Branagh or, mm-hmm. like, other, like, that's... Yeah, oh, like I mean, to say kinda, that it's not cinema is just ridiculous. I yeah. mean, because I mean, and it's they just, he's air shade. I mean, there is a there is a note of just disrespect to people and even just actors who were trying to work. Like, Scorsese, you're not feeding all of Hollywood off the Irishman. You feed the same five people all the time, and, like, right. the rest of the industry has to still, like, make a living. And, do, and that's kind of like, I, I mean, like, again, it, it's from a certain position in the ivory tower that I feel like you're forgetting what it's like to be on the ground. Like, this man really was, once upon a time, like, on the ground, scrounging, yeah. doing what you had to do and scraping it together to be a filmmaker. Like, but the, and, and this stuff is also very cynical, right? Because like it was Star Wars at one time, it was sci-fi for a minute, and then mm-hmm. it was horror. So, like it's it every yeah. era has that thing, that pop, genre that yeah, the pop that hits, and a bunch of traditional filmmakers or traditional and it's the same with music it's any genre right a bunch of traditionalists have an issue with it because it's not what they do or did and it's always that way and it's going to be after superhero films it's going to be something else in 10 years and it's going to be well that's not really cinema i remember back in my day when they made winter soldier (laughs) (laughs) it's like come on like all right yeah so I guess it's just history rolling on the circle of life all right let's move on Nice. When we come back, we're going to start deep diving into our topics, and we got a lot to talk about on the X Men front. And we got to review Gemini, my man. So, Gemini, man. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. All right, stick with us. So, we're back, and uh, as you guys know, we've been taking time throughout this whole thing to do House of X, but, uh, I mean, we got a long discussion on that, and not everybody reads comics. So let's start with Chris Killian and Gemini Man, and uh, kind of taking us through. Um, they didn't hold screenings here in Nashville for press or anybody with a critical eye for this film. Yeah. Uh, so we have to go out and see Gemini Man over the weekend, but uh, we wanted to get this one up before the weekend. For everybody out there who might be, because I feel like this one's a good one where people might be on the fence. They're like, I love Will Smith. This has two Will Smiths. It's action. But I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I've heard some things. So, Chris Killian, take us through. You weren't didn't just see the movie. You were, like, out in Gemini Man land. Yeah, I was at the red carpet and interviewed some of the actors for it. And it was, uh, it's not good. It's but you know it's it's interesting because I I didn't want to take the approach of just like after I watched the movie being like this is not good I don't know how to talk to these actors and filmmakers or whatever about the movie and it's yeah I don't want to be like oh it's not good so there's actually an opening scene in Joker that will really help you with that kind of thing like it teaches you how to just like kind of smile through anything <laughs> sometimes you have tears in your eyes but yeah uh, I'll say this right off the bat that the uh, the CGI is incredible. I mean, the fact that that they didn't de-age Will Smith and that that's a completely digital character that they made from scratch is almost mind-blowing. Whoa, I haven't seen this whole thing. So that's like it's not just Will Smith and two Yeah, that's so so Will Smith filmed his actual scenes as the older version of Will Smith, then they put him in a motion capture suit and he filmed the scenes as the younger Will Smith and then they put they basically painted younger Will Smith over him. 
So Jeez. it's insane. That, so that's <laughs> that's impressive. So they showed it to you in the super high frame rate. Jim and I, man. Yeah, Holy I God. saw it in 60 FPS, uh, which was real weird because I'm not used to seeing movies like that. But I mean, it, yeah, I'm it, still freaked out by the. Hot it light. holds up. There, <laughs> there were only one or two instances where I could really tell that it was uh, that it was CGI. So on that aspect, like as a technical achievement, it's very impressive. As a movie, nah. Nah, it's real bad. Um, it just, you know, the script was written like in, in 1997, right? That's yeah. when it got sold. It feels like that. It feels like like Face Off or something. It's like a 90s action movie for sure. It's It's got no, that I feeling. I love Face Off. Okay, yeah, so. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't automatically hate 90s throwback movies. Like for, Con for Air, being, Face yeah, Off, being like, all like those B movie cheese. Is mm-hmm. this good on that level? Or is it like. I'm trying to qualify what kind of bad. Like, does it embrace it or does it? No. Or does it think it's like really serious? Yeah. Well, I think that's the problem with Ang Lee directing it. Oh, uh, we're back to like Hulk stuff. Yeah, I I think that it could have been a really fun movie, and I think it's got aspects of it, but it's it's a little too serious, and and I feel like there's a disconnect from what Ang Lee saw versus like what the material is, because when I talked to Ang Lee about it, he was very much feeling like he was talking about on a thematic level of it being about. Uh, facing down your younger self and all of these kind of interesting elements that really don't come across in the movie to me. So uh, I just feel like there's a disconnect. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I remember that when Ang Lee did Hulk and he was, for him, Hulk was all about raging against your dad and like all this stuff. And wrestling your inner demon and that kind of thing, yeah. No, it it wasn't, but like that was a thing. Like that would be like an obvious Hulk thing. Like he was like, no. And I just remember like Eric Bana's like spaced out interviews where he was just like talking about like trying to give Ang Lee and like the technicians like what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And he was just like trying to tell them that like every time Hulk freaked out, it had to be the expression of a rage of a youth built up over long times of missed family connection. And like people are just like, what? (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) So that can happen when Ang Lee tries to go to, uh, to commercial. sometimes. He was getting a little too philosophical, I think with what the material was demanding. So, um, so then you end up with like a YouTube spoof of a nineties action movie. Basically. Yeah. That's a great way to, the action is great. There are some really good action in it. Um, but the the story's just all over the place and doesn't make a lot of sense. I felt bad for Benedict Wong. He shows up as a comic relief for like I don't know ten minutes, and then uh, I don't want to spoiler alert anybody, but it it's just it's, it's weird. a bit part. Yeah, yeah, it's real. It, it's it's kind of strange. And Clive Owen, I don't know how much I enjoyed his villainous turn in it either. It's a little ham fisted, and uh, I don't know. It, it, I feel real torn about it because I really want to like it. But the more I Younger think about it, would love it. The way, but the current <laughs> self oh my like, god! No. The more I think about it, though, I, I think the more I'm coming away with it, thinking it's a missed opportunity. All right. Yeah. So, would you say? Uh, sometimes I like to just qualify this for people. So, would you say not in theaters, but uh, rent it? Not for rent sure. It yeah, yeah. I, I think night? for sure, if you can rent it or sneak into the theater, like then go for it. But uh, I don't know that I would pay a, a movie ticket price for matinee price. Maybe maybe matinee. It's it's fun, and I, and I think it's one of those things like you know everybody trashed Hellboy, the new Hellboy, right? Yeah. And so I I didn't so I just assumed I was going to hate it, and, and and then as these things are, I I had a chance to watch it on an airplane, and with no expectation of it being good at all, and then I kind of enjoyed it. 
So I think if people lower their expectations for Gemini Man and then just kind of turn their brain off, they probably go in there and, and find something about it that they enjoy. Is Will Smith enough? Because there's whole Will Smith fans that'll sit through like anything, like if it's Will Smithy enough. Oh, it's it's total Will Smith. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's double Will Smith. So yeah, all, all right. the Will Smith you want. And uh, it is it is it is a little jarring to see like Fresh Prince version of Will Smith <laughs> be so serious. I mean, he's he just he he's very uh, he's very melancholy. He cries a lot, and it's just like <laughs> it's a th- that's another disconnect for me. Where I was like, this isn't that Will Smith. <laughs> he's uh, supposed to be ragging on Carlton. <laughs> oh, Dan, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Chris Gillian, and uh, thank you for taking a bullet of uh, going out on that red carpet and staring down that dark, dark reality. It was worth it just to get a selfie with Carlton. Nice. It really was. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Oh, there it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Perks of the job. All right. So, moving right along, we are going to talk about the end of House of X and preview what Marvel has coming and the Dawn of X relaunch that is quickly approaching, where we will be reading a lot of X-Men comics and uh, trying to piece this all together. Because as expected, Jonathan Hickman, uh, the last chapter of this House of X storyline, Powers of X issue number six, didn't just let us off easy. It had to let us off with a few more head screws before we got out of this whole thing. And Matt saw me. I looked like I had gotten sniped from outside and (laughs) fell over my chair, like slumped when I got to one particular point. So obviously we're going to talk spoilers of Powers of X number six and talk about what we're going to see in Dawn of X. Um, All right. So Powers of X six kind of goes back through and it's amazing how this story can like be so circular in some ways, but still like so effective. I mean, it was teased that like these two intersecting books, like one was going to lay out story and the other would refer like yeah. add, you know, new depth to that story. Uh, so powers is the kind of expansive depth adding thing to house. And uh, yeah, that turns out to be true because we just kept, and it's so like, I'm so mad that I was so like cynical when Marvel put out that panel. That's <laughs> like, this is the most important X-Men moment in history. <laughs> and it was just Moira and Xavier's faces. Wait, and Marvel said that Marvel said this was the most important X-Men moment in history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a there preview was one for panel. house of X. There it was, was just one, one panel from house of X. That's Moira and Charles in intersecting panels of their faces as they're looking at each other in the middle of this fair and he's like and she says like why don't you read my mind and he like restarts to read her mind and that was just it and it's like pastel colored panels yeah everybody was just like what is this and we were just ragging on it so hard wow. but and it the, turned out to be true yeah it like- turned out to be absolutely true <laughs> they earn that and like not only that but they repeat it throughout the story so many times um and even down to this last one and basically we learn in this issue for the spoiler kind of bullet points is that the year 1000 timeline that we've all been wondering about with the librarian and the phalanx, like what is this all about? We find out that this is in fact Moira's sixth life. And we find out because we find out in this awesome scene where the librarian goes into this preserve that was mentioned in like the first issue, but yeah. we've totally forgotten about. There's this preserve that we thought was just like for humans and the old world because they've never even defined what this world no. was. We were just here the whole time. And so we find out that the librarians from this race called post-humans um, who are this evolutionary offshoot of humans who are bioengineered and combined with technology as opposed to like competing with their environment and technology. Yeah. They're genetically engineered to embrace both. And so they became this new race of things called post-humans or homo uh, novissimo or something like that. I forget the exact wording for it. But yeah. So this is what this future is with all these blue people and, and stuff. And, the, and this is what the librarian is. 
And so post-humans basically took over the world, uh, um, you know, eliminated machines, mutants, all that. Yeah. That whole thing we thought that future war with the man-machine human war was all about. They're like, nah, real threat was us. We're here. Like, <laughs> eliminated everybody, took yep. over the world, built you know, huge technological advancements like this world mind to attract the phalanx. And basically they're now at the end of like physical existence. They're like, well, we reached the end. We're like the most perfect thing. So what's next? We're going to become God and we're going to join the phalanx and everything material is going to be erased, but we're going to have our whole society and its intelligence added to this collective. And then we're going to go into this black hole and become basically God. Um, and that's their whole, and be above space, time, yeah. and everything. Oh, that's not confusing at all. No, I mean, this is just the last chapter. This yeah. is the introduction <laughs> of some people we've been sitting with the whole time, but don't and know at all, apparently. that yeah. they were good guys. Yeah, we they were thought good guys. they were the key to survival for yeah. mutantdom, and it turns out, oh, no, they were They're the, the new enemy. enemy. <laughs> They're the, yeah, <laughs> we've been yeah. watching the villain story unfold the like, the whole time. time. Yeah. yeah. So, and we find this out because the librarian goes into preserve, and we find out there are two mutants left, Moira and Wolverine. Who uh. <laughs> have had to survive together and keep each other alive for a thousand years, like until they got to this point. Yeah. And the librarian finally kind of reveals their whole plan, who they are, the posthumans, like, and kind of like mocks them that mutants never really understood like what was happening with evolution and what the threat was and and would never saw them coming and all of that. And they're like, okay, word, we've been hanging on for a thousand years to figure this very thing out. And Wolverine takes out Moira, and you learn this is, was her sixth life, yeah. which reframes everything that has happened in House of X, because now the whole thing the librarian tells them is if they be, achieve this godhood, they would be able to know even what Moira was doing because yeah. they're god. They're outside of space and time in the known universe, and everything that she's doing is happening in this bubble that they would be able to observe and see and they would come for her because she they wouldn't let her challenge and that's why at one point he's like oh well we're gonna send you away yeah because mm -hmm. we don't want to kill you because we know what if happens we kill then. you yeah you wipe it all out like i there was so much in that moment yeah. where i was just like oh my god and the so the phalanx don't mean squat no <laughs> they don't mean anything we've been thinking that's we've been we've been scratching our head trying to be like what in the blue hell are the, the phalanx involved yeah. in here and it nah. meant nothing nothing well just the means for them to become this yeah god-like enemy like yeah is through the phalanx. They're just a means to an end. Yeah. Like, like yeah. they they went off to go live in some other Jonathan Hickman book somewhere. Yeah, like that yeah, just yeah. sounds like <laughs> the premise and plot for some Jonathan Hickman creator owned book. And I just that's love it. that he didn't end up like this is there's so much to love about that, but the fact that he just didn't, he was like, I'm gonna do all this work. I'm gonna lay out all because he laid out like what each level of phalanx is like. Yeah. He did all that work. And he's like, it's not going to be Jack in the end, <laughs> but like, I'm going to do it. And that's but what it was. It just was. explains the, the mentality of these advanced beings yeah. and like what they're trying to do. <laughs> it's just absurd. Like, that's it. Well, like, to be, all it does. To be fair, I don't think we're fully done with this. I think this oh, is, no. this I just is love a the thing. Devotion this is just to the, it. And that's where we're going. This is just the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, like, we've just learned who the actual next enemy is for the X-Men. Yeah. And possibly even the Marvel Universe as, like, a larger whole, we'll say. Um, but like, so they, Wolverine surprises the librarian in a great moment because yeah, librarian like, thinks it's, he's still, he or she or what, I just call it, it is so superior that Wolverine just like takes it out, then kills Moira. And this reframes all of House of X because we learn in this last issue, because then it takes us through like Krakoa and her secret space and her union with Magneto and Xavier. And then we get these journal entries of hers mm -hmm. that basically reveal that Moira is 
almost like a bigger version of Sinister now in this X-Men universe. She's not bad, but she knows a lot more than she's let on. Yeah. And like, I'm going to write like something about the biggest questions left over from this that are going to feed into the Dawn of X thing. And one of the biggest ones is like, what exactly did she show Xavier? Yeah. Because the journals reveal that, no, this isn't, she didn't just open her mind because her mutant power allows her if she wants to just never be detected. Um, but she allows Xavier to see into her mind. But then we find out in the journals that she only showed him a picture that she wanted to show him. To steer him, and and the same with Magneto, right? To steer them both yeah. to certain directions. Into certain directions. Yeah. And she's working them like chess pieces. Because she's playing on a board where she's the only, she's like the game master. Like, yeah. she's the only one who really knows the bigger picture. And is playing on this game board where everything is very, you know, butterfly effect dangerous. And, yeah. So what she knows and like what her agenda is based on this stuff, especially that she learned in her sixth life. Well, that's why I love how nervous she gets when the talk about bringing destiny back, yes. uh, yeah. you know, comes up and she is just like, we don't do that. No, we can't do that. Yeah. The like, one we, thing we, we figure out, there that. is one prejudice in, in the mutant island of Krakoa society. It's not all mutants. <laughs> no precogs. Yeah. All mutants come. No precogs. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shady, shady thing to say. Like, because Destiny's the one mutant who can detect what Moira's doing and, like, what her true agenda is. And Moira does not want that. Yeah. What if Moira ends up being the big bad villain? I mean, in a sense, she could be. They've, they've painted enough gray in there that they can move her in very interesting ways. Yeah. She really does become like a sinister because yeah. sinister is the only other one on the board yeah. Yeah. that seems to knows maybe things knows and yeah, it's, it's, things that he shouldn't or, or more than he lets on and he knows yeah. um, and knows possibly about Moira and is playing a counter chess game to Moira's chess game. Yeah. Um, and this hints that that's true because in her journals, it says the chimera thing comes back up mm -hmm. saying that he's now because of what happened in her ninth life in the future war and developing these chimera x-men soldiers that knowledge has somehow gotten to sinister and he's developing chimeras decades earlier than he was supposed to and the first one is him combining different yeah. mutant powers into himself um which is like crazy too so this book introduces a new enemy and it sets the stage for this to have way more intrigue in this whole it's not going to be this you know mutant ideal thing this nation they've put together no it sounds like it's already gone to hell well, it's not, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, like they said in the House of X finale, it's a nation. Yeah. Like, this is what happens when you yeah. have to start governing a nation. Things get really murky really quick. Well, like, and I know some of the reactions to, like, the open-endedness of it, because, because this book doesn't necessarily have this, like, here's this giant spell-it-out-for-you ending. Yeah. And, and at least, but, like, to me, the, one of the biggest panels... Uh, is when Moira and Charles are talking and they're talking about like what to reveal to like other people. Like what if the other, what if they all find out that we always lose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole point of this book, right? Was to like all the different eras, like Moira's entire life has been trying to find the path Trying to be that Doctor Strange, like all the... Well, it's, I mean, it's, it felt a bit Infinity War, right? Where it's, you know, Doctor Strange sees all the futures yeah. and, you know, there's only the one where But where there's none. Win. There's yep. like, so. What? that's the most interesting part to yeah. me is that there's zero. They haven't yeah, found one Yeah, that's going to be a real hopeful story of like yeah. minority empowerment and stuff. I was going to write this whole piece and then I got to this and I was like, well, that's... <laughs> and so that's cool. what they're... Yeah, you can have all these empowerment moments and all that, but ultimately, like... We so haven't we, found... But then the other question is like, could destiny actually be that key? Yeah, she's crazy pants, but like, could <laughs> yeah. she could she be the key? Because now, 
so much has changed mm -hmm. and the course is theoretically in a different direction that if destiny could see it, she would know. Yeah. And this also, when you're guiding a nation, right, this presents a lot of interesting opportunities for, for leadership because yes, it's a council now, but one of the most interesting things was that issue where they went around the council just voting on Sabretooth, right? That's yeah. a glimpse of what the rest of this time will be. So you have people like Apocalypse, like yeah, and Sinister, and if they find that out, which they will, I'm sure, <laughs> then you're going to have people, well, I'm, I can be the one to figure, figure that out. And you, and you end up with this like West Wing X-Men book that I am <laughs> totally down for. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. wait for that. And I think they talk about in this one about like what the council is and who sits where because Moira's just pulling the strings and all of this. And she lives in a place in Krakoa where, where nobody knows she is. They think she's still dead yeah. because mm -hmm. they retcon that whole thing like with the Gollum and the Shi'ar Gollum. So they faked her death. Yeah. And now she lives in this like little tumor sack on Krakoa and nobody knows she's there. But I think what's interesting to me is how the elements of these lives aren't, aren't just throwaways. Like there's going to be things in these lives that come back up and affect what's happening in this one. Ultimately. Like, I think one of the most interesting things is Moira's relationship with apocalypse, like in different people in general, like there seems to be this indication that like in several lives that she and Wolverine were close. Um, definitely in the six, like obviously they well, were, he's killed her twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's complicated. Yeah. But like her in Apocalypse in the journal entry about like Apocalypse being in this kind of nascent state still where she can't approach him yet, but like there's still that bond yeah, there. That was great. Yeah. Uh because they were basically like husband and wife or just mm -hmm. like in in that ninth life and and fought together and went through all this stuff together. So all of these relationships and stuff she still has a knowledge of and and can affect things around her in the books. And um, and I was wondering one thing. A big thing I think I loved was possibly paving the way for a return to onslaught or something like onslaught. <laughs> when they talked about uh, Charles Xavier's mind and how she's worried that what she's doing is pushing him too yeah. much, and kind of uh, doing it and and pushing him over the edge, and it could one day fracture his mind because we know what that happens. Yeah. and that mm -hmm. was like and yeah, I'm excited for all that. My biggest issue with this ending is. If I were a new reader coming into X, like coming, coming back to X-Men for this, mm -hmm. I have zero idea of where to go next outside of maybe X-Men number one. That's how like I'm feeling. Just there was nothing, there was nothing that set up the Marauders book. There was nothing that really set up X-Force. There was nothing that, you know, set up the 16 other titles that are supposed to be here. And, and I originally thought like, I thought, oh, okay, we're getting a Dawn of X one shot. That maybe will be an anthology that, yeah. that sets all that up. And then I just learned, no, oh, no, we're not getting that. It's just go into them and I think they're kind of leaving the and I think that's why they focused on like when they did that Comic-Con panel they more than other ones that I've seen of like oh here's the next big thing right where they they'll go over a couple books here they really took time to isolate each book give it a spotlight and go here's what you can expect from it. and I think that's why they're doing okay. it I don't know why the choice was made because I agree I would have assumed they'd have a like or just like vignettes or that just, no, here's a small I wouldn't story. I mean that that's like I, I'm pretty sure that would be like an anti-Hickman <laughs> well no but I'm uh, saying Hickman that's very like Marvel an, tradition I know but I think yeah. for Hickman I'm pretty sure some of the some of the dealings would be I want to tell this one complete story and but, but he's got a, a but he's got a hand for the on the story of all the other books like, I know but this is literally I mean he just set up a whole new world and right. it's just they're letting people kind of come he into wants the world. people to look at them look at the team 
look at the premise and go, yeah. do I, does that sound interesting to me? I think that's how he's, because like during the panel, right? He, there was video of him, even though he wasn't there live, there was video of him breaking down what he finds most interesting about each one. And, and so even though he's not writing them, he still has a hand in that. I think they're taking a very organic approach to that. Yeah. Find the one that you like. Here's all the descriptions and just roll with it. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. the next, this week is X-Men. So it's not like, I mean, that is the flagship mm -hmm. Hickman run book. So, I yep. mean, a natural place to start would be the only book that's called just X-Men. So, I mean, I think he will set some things up in there. Mm -hmm. um, and X-Men is like, yeah, I mean, he will. It was like the Avengers did like a, like, if you think like back in the late 90s or 2000s where it was like rotating teams of Avengers. Mm -hmm. um, I think X-Men will be a launch pad for giving us a scope of this world from a much more kind of micro level because House of X has had to cover a lot. Powers of X has had to cover even more. Mm -hmm. And it's like now we can zoom in and like start to just, and X-Men will be the one because they're just literally like breaking out teams and coordinating things. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that, I think the other thing too is like they're, like, I get that this was the end of the story, but there wasn't a thing at the end that truly got me excited to pick up X-Men number one. Like, I like I don't know. There was nothing that really tells you where the story goes next from here, even for, like, the mainline X-Men. Yeah. Even for the mainline X-Men book. Like, this was a great... Like, everything that he did with House and Powers was was awesome and, and world-building, but there was just nothing at the, the end of that that said, oh, we're just, like, we're just getting started. Here's... Well, I thought that's what, I mean, when Moira says that, I mean, I feel like that's that last part is the, that's the goal is to yeah. find the one that we can make continue this. We can, we look at what we've built, right? Because there's the yeah. whole thing between them where they're like, look at what we built. Mm -hmm. You're trying to see the one we can work at, the, the one we can make work. And also I think Higman's playing on a longer scale, like whatever happens, Dawn of X will move on and whatever. Mm -hmm. But like House of X will be its own storyline and that's sure. a graphic novel cover to cover. Oh, be, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be an awesome kind of complete X-Men story. Now, I do feel um, like I agree with him as far as I don't think it it pushes you. I don't think it has a hook for X-Men, specifically no. that book. No, this is, this is. I mean, but that's my whole yeah. point. Like, as it, this is going to be kind of, in a weird way, like a self-contained But I think it did hook me for other books in Dawn of X, like yeah. Marauders, especially like coming out of this and especially like the last issue of house. I, I don't know how you're not excited for Marauders. Like not you specifically, like just people like, cause there's so much that that team and that group of characters, mm -hmm. same way with Excalibur with apocalypse and that group. Mm -hmm. Like there are books that I came out of here going, I want to see that. Oh yeah. Like, and, and there's, there's a lot of books just looking at like the teams and from the covers and yeah. stuff that we've seen that I'm like, oh, I'm really like, I'm interested to see what Apocalypse yeah. is doing. Well, let's really talk about Dawn of X and go around and say, uh, what are you most excited for? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what Hickman does with this X-Men concept he's working with. The cover threw me when it was just a Summers family, but yeah. hearing that's going to be different teams assembled for different missions and kind of like almost like a weird Suicide Squad thing. Which it mm -hmm. can be because it can be resurrected, yeah. but like that's a whole kind of <laughs> awesome <true>. concept. <laughs> yeah. And like I want to see how weird he gets with that and what that's like. Um, so that's my curiosity. The other one I'm on a character level that I'm kind of excited for is Fallen Angels, oh, okay. uh, because I I like those characters mm -hmm. and and I like what the title implies and and the kind of murkiness of people who could trip out and really be kind of messed up and yeah. evil and what that means in like this new world order. So I'm kind of excited for those too. Um, I mean, with me, it's, it's Marauders. I, one, I'm a sucker for pirate 
type stories and the, some of the most interesting parts of House have been these Xavier and Magneto meetings dealing with like trying to build their nation, trying to build parts of their government, building the council. And this book with Emma and Sebastian Shaw and uh, Kitty Pride and like that team essentially like working all the politics and like the stuff between nations, all that's crazy interesting. And then you throw a pirate adventure with an interesting team. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. Uh, the one Maybe I came uh, first class flash, uh, flashes just back with white, I mean, white queen, Sebastian Shaw in the boat. If that had been better, I do love first class. Like I just really liked that movie, but yeah, if those two had been better, I would have been amazed. Uh, the other one I came away, I was actually initially really excited for fallen angels and didn't care about like X-Force or um, some of some of the other ones, like New Mutants and things like that. But I came out of the panel actually kind of excited for X-Force. I'm still excited for Fallen. But X-Force, the way he described it was essentially like it's split into intelligence and it's split into a fist. So like Wolverine heads up the fist, Beast heads up the intelligence. And the way we're doing it is really more like this is the wet work side of the government. This is Krakoa has a special ops team just like you would the FBI and CIA. And we're really going to like delve into that as opposed to sometimes in the past, it's always been like, you know, we'll just send them on the stuff we don't want to do. Like that's interesting. But the way Hickman has built this, like the nation stuff and the government stuff that has, there's more opportunity to do interesting stuff with it. So, and plus X-23 is going to be in it. And yeah. that makes me happy. Yeah, I forgot uh, about yeah. X-Forces. Yeah. I mean, that looks good too. I mean, art style of New Mutants, I'm really also... The panels mm -hmm. from New Mutants, that the pages they've shown have me, like, really interested. Boom, boom, baby! Yeah, for just, like, how... Well, but that's the one that Hickman's writing, like, the first six issues mm -hmm. were, or co-writing, at least. And then uh, Breeson's taking over, I think, yeah. after that. So, I'm curious. I don't know a lot about this, obviously. I haven't been keeping up, but is this... Is this X-Men, is it contained within the X-Men, or is this going to have like a rippling, expansive effect on the whole Marvel universe? Oh, man. Uh, I'm actually going to write that story, hopefully today, but like, yeah, I mean, this realigns everything in the Marvel universe. Is it, mean, yeah, it sounds... There's specific mentions of like other places in the Marvel universe, like when they've X-Men established their own sovereign nation about how that the geopolitics of that play out, like Wakanda's like one of the people are like, nah, man, like, we're not forming this treaty with you, like... So there's literally the Marvel Universe is now mapped out of world that like accepts the terms of this mutant nation and the ones that reject it. And that's like what Marauders is about, like going to all the red areas of the map and like freeing mutants and, yeah. and doing and kind of affecting the politics there and, and why the strike force might be necessary and like all this stuff. So like, yeah, it's going to be having a ripple effect. And there's a storyline that's great in House of X about in the first issue where it gives you a preview of that when Cyclops has to have this kind of uncomfortable uh, political negotiation with the Fantastic Four because they've caught Sabretooth and he's like, oh, you know, we're just making this deal for uh, mutants have amnesty now in, in right. the world of humans. So, like, humans can't arrest mutants or imprison mutants. They have to be turned over to Krakoa yeah. for mutant. <laughs> Matt's looking at me like, you want to yeah. read this now, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, like, yeah, I mean, so, like, they are, like, their own, instead of being an endangered species, they're now, like, a, they're almost like Wakandans. Or, right. And they have their own kind of, you know, strict set of laws. And because they have valuable resources, they have these plants that they've sold to humanity that, like, cure Alzheimer's and extend life and can do other things that are like miraculous. And so they have their now, they have an economy, they have a nation, they have like political, a language, a yeah. language like political thing. They have 
ceremonies and almost like religion with their resurrection process. Like it's all this stuff. So like, yeah, everything's different now. Mm -hmm. Like when other characters encounter mutants and stuff, like, yeah, they might anger like the X-Men, Krakoa, Apocalypse, who's now part of this. Like it's all kind of thing. And just the whole fact that the X-Men have just granted amnesty to like every evil mutant who's now like a legal citizen of Krakoa right. is yeah. going to, yeah, it's not going to sit well with possibly some other Marvel. So do you people. think that if, if Moira ends up becoming this big bad villain, it, it, is it possible that she becomes a, a even worse villain within the Marvel universe? Oh yeah. I mean, she's a universal threat. She's yeah. a mega level mutant in the sense that if she dies, the current universe as we know it, I mean, mm-hmm. potentially is erased and, and starts over. Wow. With her new lifetime. Well, that's it. If Moira dies, like everything we've known about the X-Men system presumably could be wiped. Yeah. Because we're still in, because it's when Destiny life. said, right, because we're still yeah. in her 10th. And it's Are uncertain we, if she has an If she 11th. has an 11th. Right. So there's that, yeah, like if which she's is only, maxed which out. Which again is something only she knows. Yeah. Yeah. And whether she's told them that is a whole other story. That this is the possibly last hurrah is is like yeah, we don't know. So craziness. That's yeah. fascinating. She might know that it's the end of the known universe that we have no more chances like in the Marvel universe. So there's a whole yeah. She could be the big bad of a major Marvel crossover. Yeah, nice. It could be everybody gun literally hunting for Moira across. She could be the, the new onslaught. Oh, the new onslaught. Yeah, it'd be crazy. But um, all right. So that's it. Next week, new X Men. Not no, not to reference that and bring that whole thing back up. But uh, <laughs> the next wave of X Men books launches. I'm sure we're all curious about how it plays out, if it has any effect on the future of the X Men movies, anything like that. So stick with us because when we come back for our next episode, we're going to be getting into this new era of X Men plus a whole lot more. Oh, I mean, we took up all the time. We didn't talk about other new comics this week. Uh, th- there was this was there was a it lot was very it was about. very it was fun. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of good comics this week, and you can go to our website comicbook.com and check out the reviews because there were a ton. But yeah. This was, it's a finale of a big time event. I mean, what do you want? So Matt will be back with all your comic breakdowns. We'll start that again next week. This was all about House of X. Thank you for uh, tuning in. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you are just new to the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates on the show. Or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, iHeartRadio, or you can tell any Amazon Alexa device to play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will fire right up for you. If you want to continue the discussion about anything we've talked about on this episode or any episode, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. At Chris Killian, but don't ask me comic book questions. <laughs> Please do ask him comic yeah, book ask questions. Him, now ask him all the comic book yes. questions. Nope. Too late. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you love the show, please go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. We read uh, reviews. We're getting, oof, stretching out the word regularly here. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We haven't in a minute. No, we haven't in a minute. But uh, we try to keep up with it, and we're going to get back on our game on that soon. We've just had a lot to talk about. So be sure to uh, leave us a five-star review because if we read your review on air, we will send you a Comic Book Nation t-shirt. That'll do it for this episode. As I said, we are out of here. Everybody enjoy. See you next episode. Peace. Deuces.